podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Serie Chronicles is a Media Chronicles production. everyone. Before we get started today, I just want to remind you that we've got 14-day free trials available for our Chronicles Tifosi Patreon membership at the moment. So if you're listening to this as a snippet from the podcast and you think, hey, I'm enjoying this content, I'd like to listen to the full episode, you can get that 14-day free trial right now on Patreon. Give us a try, see if you like us, and hopefully you'll hang around and listen to the full thing. You can find that at sediachronicles.com forward slash Patreon. And as I said, you can subscribe to get membership for free for 14 days. Um, I want to say a quick thank you as well to everyone who's given us a rating and review recently on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Facebook, and YouTube. Our producer, Simon, put out a call to action for our Tifosi, and you've all been incredibly kind with those those um, reviews. So thank you all for doing that and for supporting the show. Producer Simon, by the way, was on the latest episode of the Gentleman Ultra podcast, if you'd like to have a listen to that, and I will be on there very soon as well. Right, that's enough of the pre-show. Let's get into the real show. It's, of course, me, Nikki Bandini. And for the first time in a whole week, I have <laughs> back with me, Mina Rizuki. Mina, how was your holiday? Oh, it was fantastic, Nikki. Other than the fact that I look like I've come back, like needing a hospital. You look so tan. You look so tan. <sighs> I got so burnt. You don't understand. I just didn't. I'm sort of used to like European sun, which is, you know, not that bad. And I went and I put my factor 50, I lay down in the sun and I got burnt within two hours, which never happens to me, by the way, never happens to me because I've got quite, like my skin darkens quite well. And I just... Everyone get your tiny violins out for (laughs) Mina and her Mauritius suffering. She got burned while someone was bringing her a cocktail on the beach. She got a little bit too hot. It was awful. Yeah, that's so true, by the way. Yeah, yeah get out the mini violins, you stupid gal. I feel like that's what everyone really wants to tell me. I understand. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, I can't explain it to you. You know, when you go on holiday, you're just so excited to do all these things. And you, and I've walked out with like 42 bug bites yeah, from mosquitoes. Okay. My skin at the back is peeling so heavily. But it was an exceptional time away. I am so sorry that I wasn't here to do the show. Although there's a part of me that sort of is happy to have missed all of Italy's games. <laughs> um, <laughs> Gonna say, Mina, did you not? Did you not interrupt your beach time to check out Italy's two 0 win over Malta? <laughs> Can you imagine? Sorry, no. <laughs> no comment. No comment. <laughs> no comment from Mina. I, I knew I was supposed to be really into Italian football. But it was just like this feeling where I've just like, yeah. And, and not only that, they were, I was watching a show. I was listening to one of the podcasts. I don't know whether it was ESPN or somebody else. And they said, yeah, I mean, you know, what do you think Italy will do since they never qualify for a World Cup? And I thought, you know what? Let me just take a break from all of this. Like, I don't want to <laughs> sit here and watch another Italian disaster or whatever it is. So, yes, it was nice to have that break. Although... I did sort of enjoy hearing everything about Antonio Conte and Spurs. <laughs> now, <laughs> you know me. <laughs> Anything that's a little bit bitchy and I'm on top of it, you know. <laughs> and I did sort of want to come out and tweet, you know, like the same old Conte, you know. But I left it Mina's alone. ideal holiday. <laughs> Beach, 
sunbed. I've heard before we started, he was doing some zip lining, some horse riding, all of that. And then just like a little bit of shade being thrown at Antonio Conte, <laughs> maybe Pep Guardiola as well for the perfect holiday. Oh, that would be wonderful if it was Pep as well. <laughs> I couldn't get that lucky. <laughs> we will get to Conte for sure. We will talk about Antonio Conte. Um, we should start off talking about Italy Munich because it has been the main thing. I, I know you, I certainly don't blame you for not interrupting your beach holiday to, to watch the games live, but you're all caught up on everything that's happened in, in qualifying. Unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately, I had to go and sit through the, the, the <laughs> extended highlights, but that is, uh, the, the England one was, I was very upset with that first half. But um, yeah, for Malta yeah. it was, okay, well, you know, better. I mean, look, just to sort of give my sort of, snap thought on it. Like I've, I've seen some people going, oh, only tune in against Malta. And I mean, like take that in isolation rather than the big picture, which we're about to get to. But like, I don't care that they only beat Malta 2-0. Italy has never beaten little teams in qualifying convincingly. That's that's a tale as old as time. Italy in qualifying, only beating Minos by a couple of goals. Doesn't bother me in the slightest. They won the game and it was never really in jeopardy. I know there was that chance after like four minutes, which John Norman had to make a save on, but come on, the game was never was never an interesting game. And that's fine. That's that's all it needs to be. They needed to win the game. They lost to England. They need to win the game. Big picture, I think, is is what we can focus on. I obviously already did a, a voice note after um, the England game. Um, big picture is two games into the group, three points. As I said, after the the England game, qualifying is is a lot less scary than it used to be. Top two will go through. Even if Italy do fall out of the top two, they've got an extra chance to qualify through um, the playoffs because uh, they are they got that through Nations League. Um, so I'd like to hope qualifying is going to be all right, but we shall see. The question is whether or not the team is all right. And the England game really threw up a lot more um, concerns than reassurances, I would say. And um, the one bright note in the team, probably through these two games and qualifying Rotegi, who scored in both games, has, has been a big source of conversation. Um, producer Simon, just before we started, was saying, was, was expressing some of his reservations about someone jumping in like that, asking whether or not it shouldn't have gone to Skamaka and, and wouldn't he have scored those goals anyway. Mina, snap thoughts, Rategi in the Italy team, how do you feel about it in the big picture and after seeing him in these two games? I really like Rategi. Full disclosure, I'm not a big fan of any of our strikers, including Skamaka. Like, um, when he was being linked with the Premier League, I was like, yeah, I can't imagine this being a huge success. I really love that Skamaka and his journey, and I thought he did a terrific job at Sassuolo, but I just don't think he's um, a player of the highest caliber to represent the national team. That's not for me to say that Rotegi is, but I do sort of see the urgency in needing to look elsewhere and needing to try to find solutions when you sort of don't have a a really great number nine. And right now you don't have the players of Zaniolo and Chiesa involved with the national team for various different um, reasons. It's kind of like, all right, you know, we have a problem in attack. Let's go and look everywhere. So on that, sort of in that way, I, I understand him coming on and I think he's done a terrific job, clearly two goals in two games. Where my, where I would agree that I don't think it's fair is that you've got players who are born in Italy, raised in Italy, understand the Italian way of playing football and have to wait up to a certain age before they get an Italian passport and can represent the team. Whereas a player like Rotegu, who has, you know, a great grandfather who was born in Sicily, can get the Italian passport and represent the national team, even though he has been really hasn't been trained in the Italian football 
ways or has grown up doing that. So, and he's an Argentine in, in every other aspect, let's say, other than a passport. So for me, I think there's a double standard there that I don't like. And when we are being compared to nations like Switzerland, that's what Mancini was talking about a lot. What they don't understand is that a lot of those are naturalized players. You know, those players that have come to the country have been raised as Swiss or raised as Belgians or, you know, those different countries and given the passport so that they can represent the national team, whereas Italy don't do that. And I think that's where... You know, I don't want to be looking around, you know, different corners of the world trying to find somebody who has a bloodline that's Italian. You're Italian when you're born in Italy and lived as an Italian, even if you want, your origins are not from that. That's where I guess it's a political point of view. See, I, 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 I fall like completely on, on the other side of this in the big picture. Yeah. Because I, I'm someone who has an Italian dad and who grew up in England. And I always felt a very strong connection to Italy. I always felt like it was a place that I connected to. And I always supported Italy from very young. And I always felt like if that ridiculous question had ever come up, which it didn't, of like, which country would you represent? I would have chosen Italy over um, England. Uh, so I have no problem with someone being born outside of the country. I have no problem with someone relying on their sort of lineage, I guess, like their, their, their family. Of course, like on, on an emotional level, I want them to connect to Italy. That's what bothers me personally. Does Ritegi connect to Italy? And that's a question that I can't answer because I haven't sat down with Ritegi yet. I haven't spoken mm. to him. I don't know how he feels about it. I would prefer that position not to be going to someone who's just cynically using it, who thinks it's an opportunity to get some exposure, to put myself in a market position, which you, you could reasonably do, right? Like if he's seeking a move to Europe, this has done him some favors. Like he's now mm. scored some goals in Europe in front of people. But I don't know that he doesn't feel strongly attached to his Italian side. And just because it's only through a grandparent, that's the rules. It's the rules for every country. I, I have zero problem with that part of it. I think Simon did raise a point before he came on that I, that I agree with more, which is, you know, once Mancini wanted to get Rotegi and his team, there was a snap of fingers and this guy had citizenship the next second. Now, citizenship is... He's entitled to it through his grandparent. That that's not a, an obstacle that was ever going to be. Even if he didn't play for Italy, that's something he could. He get, he's entitled to. But what pisses you off a bit, if you'd excuse me from saying it, is Mario Balotelli, who was born in Italy and grew up in Italy, wasn't granted citizenship until he was eighteen years old. That's disgraceful. That's the point that I'm. I was saying in the sense of you, you, you can be raised there. You can't. You don't necessarily have to be of Italian origin. But I still think yeah. that you should be given that same sort of benefit of the doubt as you would to somebody who's moved and emigrated abroad. But I think I'm arguing the same point from the opposite side. I think Balotelli should have got a citizenship much sooner. Yeah, yeah I agree <laughs> I with have you. No, I have no problem with Ortega getting it. I just think Balotelli's thing should never have been a case. Yeah, I see what you mean. Um, so I think there's hypocrisy in the system that's, that's, that's awful. Do I have a problem with Ortega playing for the national team? No. You know, Mauro Camoronesi was an Ariundo. Uh, we were used to Ariundi, they're nothing new. And, and I, not saying that everyone's story is exactly the same, but uh, yeah, that part doesn't bother me. And uh, look, in, a, in the footballing sense, I also have no problem with not starting Scamacca. Scamacca's been struggling. I think Mancini has given all of his attackers more than a fair crack of the whip. And in the strictly footballing sense, taking aside another part of it, I think he's entitled to call up any new idea he can think of because the attack's been using all the wrong words today but the attack's been crap Mina yeah it really has been I really have no 
no qualms or any negative thoughts towards the, the fact that Retegui is playing for us. I'm actually really thrilled by it because I was like, oh, look, this guy looks like he's pretty good. You know, I'm happy to have him on board. But I'm also somebody who really believes that you need to connect with your country to do well on that in football. And one of the reasons why like, I really enjoyed watching countries like Morocco su- succeed in the World Cup is because you felt like there was a really strong bond with their, with their country, like the representation of their country, their representation of their culture. And that's what I love about Italians is like the way they sing the anthem, right? It's, it's like with, yeah. with so much desire and for so much love for their country, like, like playing for Juventus or playing for the high, you know, the best team in the world, whether it be Milan winning a Champions League or Juventus or Inter or whatever it is, at the end of the day, playing for the national team means 10 times more. And I don't know if that's necessarily the way for teams like, for example, England, where there's always been a lot of question marks with how much they connect with the national team because the Premier League is so good and you want it's, to, it's not the end all and be all of life, but I do feel it's the end all and be all of Italian life. So mm-hmm. I, I do really think it's important for some countries where their players do connect thoroughly with that idea of representing the national team, of being there and, and doing it sort of the Italian way rather than which is again why I hate us particularly copying different styles of football. I, I much prefer Italians sticking to Italians and not trying to do tiki taka of of Spain or trying to I don't know you know dribble like the Brazilians or whatever it is. It's the Italian school of thought. Just improve on that. You know, find different ideas, be inspired. But the Italian school of thought is and and and, and culture is for me like irreplaceable. I mean, it's just it's it's so brilliant. Like you've won four four World Cups. Why on earth are you looking around? Just improve upon your ideas. And so on that level, I think that if you are somebody, you know, to be to be honest with you, we can include Retegi and we include we can include any African who has been born and raised as an Italian. As long as you feel Italian and you feel a connection to football then I don't think there should be a difference between those two. But I would really like the fact if we could just find a few more attackers. I don't care where they come from at this point, you know, hand out passports at immigration if we have to. But (laughs) it is getting really diabolical with how bad this attack is. Yeah, just just, just to finish that thought, I'm going to take it. I do think part of what a lot of people are struggling with, and which I understand, is like the fact that this is like his first call up and it's straight into competitive games that matter, right? Because. Like, look at Jorginho. Jorginho was born in Brazil, grew up in Brazil, but he'd played in Italy for a number of years. So at least you sort of felt that was that sort of connection to Italy. Um, And I think that made it easier for people to just be like, okay, yeah. Whereas I think maybe if Rategi had like, you know, been called up for some friendly, started on the bench, like got some time getting used to everyone, felt more like part of the family, it would feel different to how this feels to a lot of people, which is hang on, he's literally just showed up and there he is. And he's but I mean, he's literally the only one scoring goals. <laughs> two goals, two goals in two games. Just to say it, um, only three players, I think, ever have, have scored in the, both their first two games for Italy before this, which is Giorgio Quinalia, Enrico Chiesa and Riccardo Orsolini. Uh, so pretty bonkers stuff, actually, in sort of purely like historical terms. So he's come in straight away and scored those two goals. Meanwhile, since the Euros, I don't think that either of Immobile or Belotti has scored a single goal for Italy. So that's how desperate the situation is up front. There's got to be like someone who can put the ball in the net. Obviously, like if you had a healthy Raspadori, you might look at something different. I've mm. seen some people asking just the question of like, tactically, is this necessarily the type of striker Italy need? Would you be better off with like a false nine type player? I'm open to all of that. I'm open to Raspadori being the one who, who plays through the middle going forward. But for these two games, I do think Mancini I think Mancini has a lot of justifiable complaints. And, you know, when it comes to what his pool of 
of talent available to him is, I think that's certainly justifiable. He's playing without much of a deck, um, certainly in certain positions like up front, but um, whether he could be getting more out of the rest of the team is also a valid question. Was there anything else you want to say about that, Mina, about like Mancini and Italy and like how they played? Like, because I haven't really asked you about that. Well, to be honest with you, I'm not that impressed with what Mancini is doing at the moment. Frankly speaking, if you're asking me whether I prefer Rotegi or Jorginho in the team, I want Jorginho out. Like, thank you very much for your service, kind sir. Um, it's been wonderful having you on board and winning, you know, winning Euros with us. But it, the guy looks like he's 64. Verratti is one that I wouldn't have on my team pretty much ever. And I know that's kind of like a very controversial statement because Verratti seems to be treated as if he's like the second coming of Andrea Pirlo or, or a great midfielder. But to me, he's never been that. He's just not somebody that I want to stay on my team either. I think that he, I remember very well when Carlo Ancelotti said he's just the kind of player that you accept him as he is or you just, you don't play him. So you have to, you have to understand that he's not going to follow instructions. He's going to do what he wants to do. And that's always to attract a lot of risks to this game. And he's a liability for me in midfield. I I don't see the energy there. He's getting old. I think that the amount of red cards that he gets for PSG, just like the other day, drives me insane. I always watch him with my hand on my heart thinking, please just calm down, you know, like just, just don't do anything. And frankly speaking, I preferred Italy in the start of the Euros when they were playing with Locatelli. So I want to see Locatelli. I want to see Sandro Tonali, who was just wonderful. I want to see Pessina. I want to see um, Barella. People who feel like who are youngsters, who really love their clubs, who really love the Italian national team. And I are of a younger age that can offer just a little more dynamic ability in the middle. And I, I just don't want to see this whole double pivot. I don't want to see Jorginho. I don't want to hold on the ball. We don't have the skills up front. And with more energy in midfield, then I think we can create a little bit more going forward. And that can help the, the ability of, of forward players to do a little bit more rather than just trying to rotate the ball and, and, and keeping possession in the middle. I need more vertical vertical ability there. I'd like to see Fagioli. I'd like to see Meretti. I feel like there's lots of players that we can go to in midfield, but Pessina showed what he can do. And I just really need Sandro Tonali to show that. And Cristante is another one. I think that he is always somebody, we've spoken about it before, but I think he made a difference when he came on and made a difference when he starts. He is just... He's never going to be the kind of player that makes you think, wow, the way that sometimes Verratti makes you play, but he offers such consistency that I think it should be recognised and rewarded. It's interesting because Verratti for me was was by far and away the best player in that midfield and against England in the second half. When Italy improved, Verratti was 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 the, the, the core of it. Like Verratti was, was, was the, the guy who actually got some things done. I agree to a point in that I think that Verratti is someone who is now what he's He's 30 years old and he's he's not really developed beyond a certain kind of player. He's always been this slightly chaotic player yeah. who I think tries to do too much, has always tried to do too much and gets in trouble trying to do too much. And sometimes that's a liability um, for a team to have a player who's trying to do too much. It's been a liability for PSG sometimes, it's been a liability for Italy sometimes. But he's, I, I, I don't question his talent at all personally. I think his talent's there. I think his, his mindset is what, is what has always held him back, unfortunately, that trying to do too much. But what I think is is certainly reasonable is to look around and say, are we clinging too much to that Euro 2020 win because we haven't moved on and the football's not working anymore? And and would it be better to be bringing in younger players, giving them the games and letting us build something completely new now? And if we're building something completely new, should it really still be Mancini in charge is a difficult question to ask. I, When Italy missed World Cup qualifying, I was still more or less still on board with Mancini. I felt like it was just such a ridiculously like unlikely set of events that happened. 
you know, they did just miss penalties against Switzerland that would have qualified them. The game against North Macedonia was one of the craziest games of football I've ever watched. In Italy won good. They should have been better, but they still lost to the one shot of the game when they'd had 25. Like yeah, the way true. that Italy failed to qualify was ridiculous. Mm. So at the time I was still like, you know what? We can't throw the baby out of the bathwater. Mancini's still the guy. Increasingly, I'm not sure. I, I really wonder if it, it, it is time that they just need something different. I don't think it'll happen now in this qualifying campaign. I think this is the manager we're going to have, but I feel like the magic is gone. And perhaps horrible though it is to, to acknowledge it, perhaps some of that magic goes with Luca Vialli passing as well. And, and I, I don't know that this manager is going to be able to recapture it. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong and the Mancini can recapture it because I want him to be the guy, but I'm, I'm not sure he is anymore. And that is not fun to admit. You see, this, it's a really interesting point because I fully agree with you. The way that Italy didn't qualify for the World Cup, I didn't blame it on Mancini. And I'm somebody who blames Prandelli for the loss in Euro 2012. Like, you know, uh, sorry, 2014, should I say? <laughs> um, I am yeah. a little bit harsh on coaches sometimes, but like I do, on this, I agree with you. There were just missed penalties. You feel like it could have been better, but sometimes when I look around and I see the attack, I'm like, how can this be better? Like, it's amazing that we did as well as we did in the Euros. Mm-hmm. And for that, you know, you have to applaud him. There was something about Roberto Mancini when he got the job. There was just a certain happiness and excitement it was like a huge you know turnover yes. from like all the depression that we faced before it you know even yeah. like obviously not qualifying Ventura being like this you know despicable like coach at the helm you know although there's a part of me that also feels sorry for him Antonio Conde saying what do you want me to do with this terrible generation and and you sort of agree agree with yeah. that as well and and Mancini comes in and all of a sudden you felt like you believed in Italy. You felt like the kids were our bright future and there was happiness and, and everything exuded posi- posi- positivity and, and possibilities. And now all of a sudden, I just kind of feel like he doesn't enjoy his job. He spends more of his time complaining about the way that life is and actually like trying to find solutions or seemingly excited again. So again, I feel like there's this distance once again between Italian fans and the national team because there's just this kind of like, well, we didn't qualify again. And now we're losing to England, which hasn't happened since the 60s and all of these different problems. Here's the thing. So obviously this this week, we've seen Julian Nagelsmann like shifted out of Bayern Munich even though there was supposed to be this long-term contract and he was the kid that was supposed to like grow with Bayern, but instead he has been thrown away. Why? Because Tuchel was available and they were really scared on losing this opportunity in case Real Madrid were looking for a coach at the end of the summer or whatever it be. And I kind of feel like if Ancelotti is going to go to Brazil, there's a part of me that wants to cry. (laughs) You know, like I just, I cannot imagine having Carlo Ancelotti in charge of Brazil and not be in charge of Italy, you know, like, and Mm -hmm. if any way, shape or form, should we ever manage to qualify for the World Cup? (laughs) Coming up against Carlo Ancelotti's Brazil would fill me with so much fear. And I sort of just, I don't know if there is a part of me that's like, if Mancini is going to be up depressed and I don't blame him, I'm not saying to you that, you know, he shouldn't be depressed. I get that he has a lot of complaints about things, you know, but if he's not finding a way through of, of bringing back that excitement, then maybe he should be able to take over a club and bring in a coach that might be able to do a little bit more. I don't know if the squad is good enough for Ocalo. Certainly it's not one that has all the, the magnificence of Brazil, but it is his national team. And if he is going to leave Real Madrid to play to, to coach a national team, I really think it should be a team. I think that's a great point that you made just there, Mina. Like, I think actually, like, I, you can agree with Mancini, and I do, about the scarcity of talent. Yeah. But I think that part of the national team manager's job and the thing that Mancini did so well 
is to tell the story that we can win anyway and, and make everyone believe it. Like you have to make everyone believe it. And I think right now he's not telling that story to us or to his players. And what was different in the Euros was they told the story together and they believed it. They believed that they could win and they did. And I think as long as this team doesn't believe it can win, it's not a good enough team to to win despite that. So you you need a you need that optimism from somewhere. Speaking of of managers who are available, I, by the way, I would of course love Carlo to have a stint at some point in charge of the national team. But speaking of managers who are suddenly available, Mina, no, maybe this is the moment. <laughs> maybe this is the moment for Italy to turn back to Antonio Conte. What do you think? <laughs> Simon, even producer Simon is like <laughs> is doing the slicing the neck action. No, no, no. Can you imagine? Can you imagine you sit there being like, can't we just buy players and give them passports? <laughs> yeah. Listen, it's not like he did a bad job for Italy by any any stretch of the yes. imagination. He did a pretty good job actually with Italy, probably better than uh, than I expected, certainly, although he had us believing in Eder and Graziano Pelé as a centre forward partnership. Like, come on, that was that was a special era. I just, again, I just don't think his brand of football will ever succeed in in these types of like, as in short recoveries. It's just it's too exhaustive. I don't think he. I still think he's one dimensional. I know that we'd greatly disagree on that, and I certainly don't want it to be Deserbi. So I'm really I'm fearful of that more than anything. Like, I'd rather have Conte than Deserbi if those are the two options. Wow. I want Ancelotti, and if it's not Ancelotti, then I don't know. Allegri or Pioli would be fine with me. We we did a little um. Well, I did it quite on my, on my Twitter. We done a call out in general for for questions for this uh, podcast. I got one on Twitter, uh, Mina from Anthony Kennedy, um, asking where does Conte go from here. I think it's an interesting question. Probably should give our takes on Conte more generally, but but Antonio Conte, obviously, in case anyone's living under a rock has left Tottenham by mutual consent. This is how Antonio Conte leaves clubs, which is... In a blaze of kick fire. Kick off everyone and everything. Yeah, like set everything on fire and then... But but never quit, because if you quit, you don't get your severance. So that's why it's always mutual consent. So uh, where, where does Antonio Conte go from here, Mina? Hey gang, just wanted to let you know that you can now get a free 14-day trial of our Chronicles Defosi Patreon membership. Subscribe now for free for 14 days to get access to all of our full episodes, solo mini-sodes, bonus content, even behind-the-scene bonuses like our chats about football, and of course, our chats about life in general. You can also get the entire bank catalogue of Serie A Chronicles content. So head over to cityachronicles.com forward slash Patreon and subscribe to the Chronicles Fosy membership for free. Sports Social Podcast Network.